Hello and welcome to the Secure Chat Podcast, presented by Archon. This is a whole new security podcast geared towards you, our trusted clients. Each episode, our security experts will explore pressing security news, from the latest malware threat to user errors and top risk management solutions. Tune in each month to learn more about data breaches, what they mean for your business, and how you can optimize your security strategy. I want security. Hey everyone, this is Corey from the Secure Chat Podcast, and I'm joined by Sean, and we are back for the second episode here in January. Uh, Sean, how are you doing today? I uh, can't complain. Uh, you know, got a few projects going, so things are a little crazy, um, as per usual in IT. Uh, a lot of things up in the air, but I guess that's kind of you know what we signed up for, right? How are you? I'm doing well. Yeah, you'd rather have too much work than not enough work. It's a good sign when you're always busy with things to do. Um, keeps you busy, keeps you learning new things, keeps you hungry, which is always good. So last episode, we talked about uh, just cloud security as a whole, just kind of, you know, measures you can take to protect yourself. What is cloud security? And for the second episode of this month, we kind of wanted to go in depth on um, certain uh, cloud security uh, or certain cloud security news and just kind of what's been going on in the industry today. And the one thing that we really wanted to talk about was the solar ones that happened uh, just recently. It was a very big attack. It was uh, one of the biggest attacks we've seen in recent history. Um, and it's a really interesting thing to study into of, of how it was executed and, and why it was so effective. Um, so, Sean, do you just want to give kind of a brief introduction of kind of like what solar winds is and kind of help people wrap their mind around um, how this even started. Definitely. So SolarWinds is one of the premier monitoring softwares. What we mean by that is both Corey and I, when we were you know working on our operations team, um, you know, we have a bunch of different customers, different clients that have firewalls, servers, application servers, just all over the world. And, you know, what you would use something like a SolarWinds for is you use that type of monitoring software and that will then send alerts back to the central command of, hey, this firewall is down. Hey, this server is having, um, you know, low disk space or a high CPU utilization. And what this does is it, you're setting up this specific software to have legs within everything in your environment, whether that's just an in-house environment or it's something like an MSP like Archon does where you have it across multiple clients across the, the globe, realistically. So what SolarWinds does is it's, it's trusted in order to do just that, is have legs in everything. And what happened with SolarWinds is when it's compromised, it has legs and everything, which is sort of the danger there. And that's why everything with, with a monitoring software is supposed to be complete grade A trusted. And as an IT person, like that's supposed to be the one thing that you can count on that's going to sort of be there to protect you. Right, Corey? Yeah, correct. Uh, and yeah, Sean, no, I, I totally agree with you. And this is what makes SolarWinds uh an interesting thing to study is that there's such a central location for so many different companies. Um, they do have their foot in a lot of different companies, therefore giving them a lot of access. And they're also, you know, a very trusted company. So finding a way to be able to use that trust against their clients uh, can result in a very, uh, very efficient attack that produces a lot of information. Just to give kind of like a brief rundown on SolarWinds clients, they have 425 Fortune 500 companies. Um, they have the top 10 telecommunication companies, top five accounting companies. They have all branches of the military, the Pentagon, the State Department, 
and they also have a lot of universities that they provide services to. Um, so them being mixed with such like a central platform idea where they have their their they have their claws really deep into each client and their clients being so important made this um, the perfect situation for attackers to try to take advantage of because they knew if they could they could exploit a vulnerability within the environment or even put a vulnerability in the the environment um, it would give them a lot of access to different branches within the u.s to be able to gain information exactly Corey. and i think one misconception with this was i know personally when i first saw a lot of articles come out on the solar winds attack is one word that kept coming up was microsoft it was microsoft this microsoft that and i think it sort of gave this this false understanding that SolarWinds was strictly a Microsoft product. And since SolarWinds got hacked, it was just Microsoft that got hacked. So a lot of people sort of, you know, stopped checking in on the news and they stopped, you know, saying like, oh, well, I don't have any Microsoft. You know, I just own Macs and use Gmail for email. Like, I don't have to care about this. But when you brought up the point about the military and the different aspects within the government that have that, I mean, this turns into a point where this is an actual threat to the nation's security. Um, and that's actually what's been coming out this month in the last couple of weeks is the investigations that the NSA have been doing and looking at, you know, what realistically could have been taken. And they still don't have an answer for that, which if if I mean, if, if anyone just has any inkling of an idea like what the government does, I mean, you know, there's a ton of stuff that could be out there. I mean, as far as like nuclear plans, um, any type of military actions. I mean, it's it's crazy to think that somebody for six to eight months could have just been sitting and watching everything the U.S. government was doing in a supposedly like classified or closed door way just having open information to it. So I think a good place uh, to start with this is basically what did the attackers do uh, to exploit SolarWinds? And basically what the attackers did is um, they used software builds for Orion versions 2019.4 HF5 through 2020.2.1. And this was released between March 2020 and June 2020. And basically what happened is the attackers managed to modify an Orion platform plugin called solarwinds.orion.core.businesslayer.dll that is distributed as part of the Orion platform. The Trojanized component is digitally signed and contains a backdoor that communicates with third-party servers controlled by the attackers. So basically they were executing um, a certain file. Uh, through the software update and all the information they were gathering through that was being communicated back to the servers that um, the attackers owned. Right. And and that's like the full on technical definition. And I think just from a, from a basic standpoint, um, the threat actors got access to the SolarWinds update component, whether it's an update server, an application server, whatever it is they got access to. And they were able to inject this malicious code into the actual update itself. So just like if you're on your computer and you click like, hey, you know, update Windows and it just goes through. I mean, no one really watched what's coming through. You're just trusting that, hey, it's going to update my computer. Essentially, that's what happened with any of the SolarWinds platforms is from March, June, when when IT practitioners were just updating their software, they were unknowingly just injecting this code into their own system. And I think what's the scariest part as just an IT guy is that 
getting updates from your vendor is supposed to be the most secure and peace of mind type situation that you can do. I mean, I, I don't know if you agree or not, Corey, but I think every time that I get an update package from a vendor, I would assume like, hey, this has been tried and true. This is vetted out. Like maybe wait a little bit just in case there's, you know, a couple blue screen issues. But for the most part, getting an update package should be secure. And with this, since it was packaged and trusted, there is absolutely nothing that would have caught this. There's not an antivirus that would have caught this firewalls wouldn't have stopped it having a sim integration like this was just going to happen and that's because SolarWinds was the one that was infected and they just pumped this out to everybody yeah and sean can you clarify if like the reason why firewalls would not have caught it or a sim would not have caught it is it because that it was signed and trusted and had a certificate that was trusted from solar ones exactly so and and that's what you see a lot so in the event that i know when you and i have both played around sandboxes and it a grant the technical sandbox not the one as we were kids um but uh <laughs> so when when you launch an untrusted executable um a lot of browsers and a lot of antiviruses now we're going to say like hey this isn't signed this isn't trusted like are you sure you want to run this and that's even very basic antiviruses. That's very basic, just program level stuff that is just in integrated within a lot of software now. But since this was signed and trusted by like by Orion, by the SolarWinds updater package, I mean this was just going to go through because you know any any type of system is going to say, oh, this is signed by SolarWinds. We have this. This is integrated. No problem. Let it through. And that's sort of like where the genius of this hack really was. Is that I mean they, it. It was going to get out there. And until someone really pulled this apart and pieced together, it was out there. And when you said that it was March or June, so, you know, th there's a possibility that for nine months, the threat actors were sitting there watching stuff go in and out of every one of those clients who listed out servers and the alerting and, you know, God knows what else they, were, they had access to. And that's sort of like the magnitude that we're dealing with here. Yeah, no, it's crazy the uh, the spider web or like the web that's been deployed. The how much this touches different things. Um, it goes very deep into not just Solar Winds, but but other companies that that worked with Solar Winds as well. Exactly, um, and and like even over nine months, like that's a whole bunch of information that's passed over nine months. But they're still trying to figure out like, did this give them the access to look at stuff that was from before this hack. I mean, they're still trying to figure out exactly what could have been seen, what could have been transferred, um, what can be relayed back to whatever the threat threat actors command control is. I mean, it's essentially like people are acting and, and when I say the people acting, the, the people that are trying to figure out and investigate what happened, they're acting as if the United States was pretty much an open book for the last 10 years. Yeah, it's really nuts to see uh, a vulnerability get exploited like this and on the other side there's still kind of like investigation going on typically in the industry uh when we see a vulnerability get exploited uh you uh remediate that immediately and then the second it's uh remediated then you go and figure out why it happened and how you can prevent it and there's usually a pretty quick answer to that but with this one we're seeing that there's not necessarily a quick answer and it's more going over to the overarching uh themes of it infrastructure of how to prevent this from happening in the future versus what mistake was made in the past. It was just kind of a vulnerability that no one saw coming that they were able to, you know, to put into these different builds. Um, one thing that we have seen though come out of this is uh, 
the advisement of adopting a zero trust mentality within your uh, IT department. And Sean, do you kind of want to go over like what zero trust is? I mean, I, I think it's pretty explanatory. I mean, it's just not taking anything for granted anymore. Um, it's it's just going to be looking at stuff moving forward as like how much information do I give this? Um, I know a lot of people are guilty as far as like giving a service account global admin just because it's easier to do that instead of spending three hours piecing together what exact information it needs in order to gain access. I think that this is going to kick off a lot of audits. It's going to cause a lot of people to go back and sort of revisit best practices and how they can even improve those best practices. Um, it's it's just really going to trigger a shockwave through the community as far as like what can we do because something like this. I mean, it's if it happened once, there's a good chance that it's already happening with something else that has legs in multiple clients like this. So it's going to be looking at the possibilities of how can we prevent being another statistic in a hack. Um, you know, would, you, would you agree or is there anything else I left out on that? Oh, no, I totally agree. Um, the one thing I did find interesting just kind of reading up on this was uh, the recommendations from a user level to um, like a server level or network level. Um, from a user perspective, one thing that they definitely recommended was making sure that your on-prem um, admin accounts are not syncing with the cloud. Um, because if those get compromised, then you're giving the attackers lateral movement between your on-prem environment and your cloud environment. Um, so one thing that they strongly recommend was making sure admin accounts uh, are separated. So if you need an admin account for you know, your Office 365 and an admin account for your on-prem servers, make sure you're using two separate accounts versus one account that just syncs up to the cloud. Um, what If they sync together, it, you're just doubling uh, the amount of access that the attacker has from, from an account perspective. Um, then the other thing that they were recommending from, you know, like a server or network perspective is making sure that servers only communicate with servers that need to talk to each other. Um, that way, if something like this is released in the future, if you're sectioning off your network and your servers to only have access to certain things or only have access to the things that they need, um, if an attacker gets into your environment, then they can only get to a certain amount of information. They don't have open range to your environment because you've properly sectioned off all of those things to only have access to what they need. Yeah, Corey, and on top of just sort of sectioning off your servers and your network and keeping things sort of finite like that, uh, service accounts are something that are used for a lot of different software that require connectors. So one thing that you can do and sort of keep a tight ship on that is when you do create a service account that has to have some type of connection into another software, essentially, if you have to make a password for that, which everybody does, just generate a password that's 30 to 40 characters long, copy and paste it in one time, and then just never save that password. So that way you don't run any risk of having a password that's synced somewhere, like you said, or transferred between other servers or using other admin accounts. It's essentially like if if that account gets, gets ruined or compromised and you have to reset the password, you're going to have to rebuild everything, which is going to be an absolute pain, but it's going to be a far less of a headache than if your service account is a password that's used in a scheme for all your other servers, because if that account gets access, you now have a service account with admin rights, you have a password for that account, and then you also have an easily guessable password to other servers and services. So that's just another tidbit, just you know, generate a password, and if you're only using it one time, just generate it, use it, 
close that connection and then just throw that password away. So it's never documented anywhere. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, I think just reflecting back on the SolarWinds thing, the one thing all IT departments uh, should keep in mind is just moving forward with adopting a zero trust mentality. Um, because before we thought that there were things, uh, there were things we could trust as far as you know, solar like big companies like SolarWinds and Microsoft. But with the recent developments, it's proving out that that all IT t- departments should truly have a zero trust mentality uh, to keep their environment as safe as possible. Um, I think that's a good kind of just brief touch on um, the SolarWinds hack, kind of how it happened, uh, what industry leaders are recommending uh, to do to remediate that. Um, but I know, Sean, with you being a big crypto guy, one of the the big hacks that, that you're into is the ledger hacking. Do you kind of want to go into what the ledger hacking was? Yeah, yeah, just and we'll keep that brief, um, you know, just from a crypto basis. But essentially, what ledger... Uh, provides is it's called a cold wallet um, or a hardware wallet and essentially it, it looks a lot like a usb thumb drive but it allows you to keep your cryptocurrency on a hardware device that you then hold and you know the, just the saying within the crypto community is it's not your keys not your crypto and what we mean by that is if you're just keeping your your money on an exchange so something like a coinbase or a binance it's something that at any point if that service goes down, you don't have access to it. So in the, the event of a mass rush panic, everyone's pulling their money out. That service goes down like you're just kind of then along for the ride. When you have something like a cold wallet, um, you own it. I mean, it's, it's yours. It's in your house. But what comes with that is you're responsible for making sure you know where that item is. Um, you know, in order to recover that in the event it is lost, there's a 24 word seed phrase where it's 24 random generated words. I mean, it's something that you really wouldn't remember unless you commit it to memory. Um, it's a neat thing. Um, and what, what's scary with that is with Ledger, it's supposed to be kind of secure, right? So like you bought it, you obviously have to get it shipped to your house. So in a database, they have your email address, they have your phone number, and they have your, your street address. What happened with Ledger is Threat Actors got access to their database. So essentially anybody that bought a Ledger wallet from, I want to say it was like July of 2020 to the company's inception, that Threat Actor had access to all of their information. And I guess like for a lot of other, you know, hacks, so say Target gets hacked or Best Buy or Walmart and, you know, Threat Actors get your address or your email address. I mean, at most you can get spam mail, maybe some junk mail, whatever. What's terrifying um just in the crypto community is i mean there's people out there that have hundreds of thousands if not close to millions of dollars on one specific hardware device that might just be sitting in someone's house so if you are a just a really gutsy criminal and you have access to that and it's a couple houses within you know 10 minutes of where you live realistically like you are now a target to a home invasion so I guess that's like what I wanted to bring in both from a crypto standpoint, but just as a how does it affect me? Because with SolarWinds, I think a lot of people are going to look at this like the, okay, like government secrets are out. Like that's crazy. But I mean, you know, I can't control that. It's kind of out of my reach. Like it doesn't impact me. But with something like this where a company does fail to reach cloud security standards and it leaks your information, you can potentially get opened up to something like a violent home invasion based on stuff you've purchased in the past and stuff that you may have that you trusted the company to keep secure. Yeah, that's a really good point. I think a lot of people, when they think of hacks, they they think of it being computer to computer or attacker to business. Um, but now what we're seeing with, with some of these uh, 
vulnerabilities being exploited is that it does actually open up for some type of like physical attack to happen. Um, and I don't think a lot of people really think about that often. Exactly. I mean, realistically, the reason why people are after the information is because the information can be useful to somebody. I mean, I know we covered yeah. that a lot in the past is, you know, it's the, the threators get the information and they sell it off to whoever wants to buy it and whoever's the highest bidder. So somebody somewhere wants that information and it can always be used. And I know like with the ledger stuff, that was just sort of something that I saw. It's like, wow, like that actually can lead to like direct end user, you know, implications, um, which is kind of scary. Yeah, no, it's definitely an interesting topic. And it's something that if you're interested in, you should uh, read more about, uh, because a lot of this stuff is dynamic, it goes, it goes super in depth. Um, and it can open your mind to just how infrastructure works, the more you you read about this stuff. Sean, I think that's all I've got for this episode. Is there anything else you want to touch on? No, I mean, I'm sure that in the next few weeks here, um, we're going to see more that comes out in the solar wind stuff. So we'll have to keep keep you guys updated on that. Um, but for now, yeah, thanks for tuning in. Awesome. Yeah. And again, we just want to thank you for tuning in and listening. We always appreciate your support with this podcast. Um, that's going to wrap up the second episode of January. Um, Archon will be hosting a uh, cloud security uh, webinar come February. So if cloud security is something that you're interested in and you want to learn more about, uh, please feel free to tune in to the webinar that we'll be hosting in February. We'll go more in depth and it's going to be a bit more personalized about how you can specifically protect your environment. We'd love to see you there. We'd love to have you join us. Um, But I think that's going to be it for episode two of January. We really appreciate everyone um, and have a nice day. Thanks.